Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, time to talk about some of the off-field issues surrounding the A-Leagues. And we are delighted to have on the line the new commissioner, or relatively new commissioner at the competitions, Nick Garcia. Evening to you, Nick. Thanks for your time. Good evening, Simon. How are you? Very good. So Alex Brosk is here as well. Uh, we do appreciate your time this evening. Uh, there's a lot of questions. Obviously, fans want answering, but uh, we'll try and get through a fair few. Uh, let's start with the recent restructuring, uh, the demise of Keep Up, the shedding of a lot of jobs, the loss of a lot of money, as we're led to believe. Uh, all this on the back, of course, of the grand final decision reversal. Is it fair to say that your first priority, and you've probably been throwing a bit of a hospital pass here, but is to restore faith in, in the leadership of the game? I think, look, I, I think we should probably, probably some context here is useful. Now, as you've rightly pointed out, a lot of this is before my time, but I'll, I'll kind of try and do it justice. If we go back three years when unbundling happened, kind of everything had to be done, right? And and the, what the board signed off to the, the leadership in charge then was an aggressive growth strategy. Now, that was about almost kind of reinventing how things are done, but standing an awful lot up. So, so and, and the important thing I think we need to understand, that did deliver, you know, that, so, so there, in that time, there was a historic um, CBA, a collective bargaining agreement done. There was a $200 million broadcast deal done. There was capital raised through Silver Lake. Um, there was a new brand launched. An awful lot went on. Mm. And, and now we're kind of like three years on from that, right? So uh, I think one of the things to clarify, first of all, is before unbundling, across kind of the commercial metrics you measure, right? The league had gone down or declined seven years straight. So after unbundling, we've, been, we've grown it three years consecutively. So I think that's the kind of important first point, right? Now, was everything done perfectly? No, I'm sure it wasn't. But where we are now is a league that's growing across all the metrics. Um, whether that's number of people watching on TV, whether it's people attending um, matches, uh, this is all the backdrop of adding three new women's teams in the last three years, getting into expansion, bringing new teams into the league. So I think uh, I think it's really important that we understand from that point of view. Now, look, there's also the bit about one of the first things I did coming into the A-League's role was to do a, a strategy for the A-League's, not the APL as a whole, right? So let's just, for one second, decouple, keep up for that, and I'm going to come on to talk about it. Um, the A-League's is growing in every area. And I think, I'm sure you guys would agree, I think the football that we've got on the pitch is really exciting football. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the, with the football. I have, no, no problem with that at all. Yeah. And, and look, so I think I've got a lot of confidence in where we can take the league. That early growth is good. But we had to, to, to evaluate where we were as a league. And whilst a lot of that growth, and I heard you talk about, you know, the... The lack of kind of journalists for um, for the game in Australia and New Zealand, and and you know keep up filled that hole to a degree. 
And they did a really good job, right? They got an awful lot of eyeballs. They won awards, global awards. Um, but it just at this at this point, one of the things that we were getting from our fans was a lot of A-League fans didn't want to know about the game in, you know, in the Premier League or wherever. They wanted to focus on the detail of mm. Of, of the A-Leagues. And now you see we've obviously stood down Keepup as a tech platform. We've got aleagues.com.au. And those numbers are growing really well. People are moving across. But what's really interesting is people are staying on the site longer. They're moving through the site a lot more. So we know it's servicing that core fan a lot better, which part of our football strategy was to, or sorry, part of our A-League strategy was to put football first, put core fans at the heart of it and rebuild that. Uh, so I, I, want, I, I think sorry, it's working. Ahead. I want to. I want to come no, on to. Yeah, I, I want to come on to that uh, a shift in focus. But I just want to ask you about uh, the media side of things because obviously you've lost, you know, an awful lot of, of journalistic now. There's a lot of people that, that we know who, who lost their jobs. Um, so that media arm has, has been dismantled or at least reduced or changed to a great degree. So, what is the strategy to keep the leagues at the forefront of public discussion, aside of coming on the global game tonight, which we appreciate? Uh, and does that perhaps mean, for example, that you work more closely with your broadcast partner to expand their coverage? What is the plan uh, to to fill that gap, if you like? Yeah, look, I mean, you said a broadcast partner is clearly really important um, important to us. I mean, I, I come probably tell by my accent. Um, I come from the UK. I worked in the Premier League for a long time. You know, Premier League through when it went through its unbundling, and I think it was '92. The broadcast, the Sky relationship was so important in building that game. Um, you know, we we had the ability. I've talked about through aleague.com.au to to talk to our to our core fans to have a dialogue regularly there. We have still got content capability to drive stuff onto our own platforms. We will still even look a little bit at the global game on our website. So we still have that. Um, that functionality there but you know the reality is this is on all of us right this is this is you guys this is me this is uh 10 paramount this is the media kind of getting behind the exciting game we've got and um and we'll support that in any way we can um going forward but right now i think we've got a platform that speaks better to our core fan base um and uh and you know it, it, the, the truth of the matter was while ski was very good it just wasn't wasn't commercially viable in the, uh, in, in, in the market right now, and um, so therefore we've pivoted. And Nick, um, obviously following COVID, and we know how challenging those times were, we, we, we spoke to Danny Townsend, and, and he was you know, making a, a, a real drive to connect fans back to our game. Um, and, and since then, over the past you know, year or two, it's almost gone the other way, where fans feel alienated in, in terms of some decisions that have been made and have been turned away. You mentioned publicly that your focus has shifted from being a media business to a football business. What does that look like from the APL's point of view and, and from your point of view? Well, so first first and foremost, um, when we actually sit and we plan kind of what we're going to do with the league, it it's probably seems crazy, but, but this last season was the first time we started with a football strategy. So... That's the bit that really kind of says, what does the product look like on the pitch? How are we supporting clubs to put the best product on the pitch? How are we making it the right connection with fans and speaking to the right fan base? But it all starts with football. So that's, that's the kind of the beginning part. To, to your point about fan engagement, you know, clearly fans, I say clearly, and I know we've come under fire for this previously, but 
fans are incredibly important. And, you know, let's be honest, they're fans of the clubs, right? And they're fans of the games. We're facilitators in the, the, the league we put on. But we do have an interaction with the fans. So every club within our league has a, a fan group within it. The, the chair, I believe, of those groups all ladders up into a what we call an FRG, a fan relationship group. But, and that's a session I chair every quarter and ad hoc is needed where we talk about live issues in the game, things we're thinking about doing, using it to get that group uh, input into where we're taking the game. Uh, and that's a new thing we've stood up recently as well, aside from all the kind of usual audience research and everything that, that, that anyone would do. Yeah, that's, mm. that's working quite well. Um, Nick, let's let's move on to expansion. Uh, we know Auckland is coming into the competition next season, but what of Canberra, which is your preference uh, for the 14th club? Is it getting to the point where it's almost too late for them to get up and running properly for next season, or, or is an announcement imminent over the next few days? So uh, we're not too late yet. Um, and I think if I compare Canberra and Auckland... You know, Auckland is brand, brand new. Canberra already has a women's team. It's got um, a lot of kind of history and heritage in there. A lot of the kind of, you like almost the pipe work is already laid. And you're actually just putting a men's team into that. So it's it's definitely faster to stand up. Um, the other thing is they've bid for, for an A-League team de- definitely twice, maybe three times. So... There's an awful lot of kind of latent fan demand there. There's a lot of government support there. And, and when we went in as part of the expansion process, we went and had a lot of the early discussions that would enable the new owners to almost get a turnkey operation. So, so it's a lot more advanced than you per, perhaps assume um, at this stage. But, but in terms of, to your point about, are we getting too late? No, but we're getting close, right? We, we, we want to get it still up quickly. What I would say is that, the consortium that we're talking to are doing an awful lot of work in the background to get a lot of the stuff stood up early. So they're not just kind of going through a linear process. And answer, but we are at the, you know, the, the sharp end of, of those discussions. Um, and we've got a few things to iron out. Uh, and we do hope to make an announcement soon. I mean, personally, I, I really, really want Canberra to get an A-League men's team to mm. and the women's team. I think it's a really good territory. There's a massive football participation base there. You've got, you know, big uh, fan support. You've got not, not a lot of sports content in summer. I think it would do really, really well there. So we are putting everything into it. But ultimately, you know, we're, we're not the ones signing the cheque and taking on the franchise. So that's, that's down to negotiation to this stage. And just recently, uh, Ross Pelligra was announced as the new owner of Perth Glory, and we've already seen an immediate reaction there with, with uh, you know, the fans streaming in over the weekend. What, where are we at with Newcastle Jets? Uh, they, they've been without a dedicated owner for the last three years. Uh, how close are you to getting that one resolved? Well, first thing in Newcastle, it's, it's not our sale, right? This is not an APL thing. That's a private sale of the club owners to, to a new owner. Um, that said, we, but they're part of the APL, Nick. To be fair, <laughs> so, so <let laughs> they're me, three let of me your clubs. Yeah, let, let me finish. So obviously we have some oversight, but it's a private sale, right? So they don't have to disclose the huge amount to us. That said, we've had oversight. I know who the who the bidders are, who they're in negotiations with. I've met them a number of times because um, obviously, to your point, they they want to know about APL and and they're going to be um, part of the group that come in, um, and they're they're really sophisticated investors right they've got um 
it wouldn't be their first sports rodeo, let's say. And I really like the way they're thinking about the club and, and driving sustainability and they're ticking all the right boxes. So, you know, Newcastle in that sale process will always have our support as far as we can give it to do it. And I gather they're in a similar position where they're um, getting close to a resolution and, uh, and hoping to make an announcement soon. Okay. Uh, in the A-League women's, you have expanded this year with the Central Coast Mariners. Are there further plans to increase that competition? I, I guess particularly with regards to MacArthur, uh, who remain the only men's team without a women's equivalent. And what's your strategy? I mean, we've seen great success on the back of the Women's World Cup. The crowds have certainly grown in the A-League women's this year. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what, what's, what's your future plan to, to keep that momentum going in the women's competition? Okay, so let, let me deal with the first question first. Um, in terms of women's expansion, so every new expansion team now has to stand up a women's team as well. Um, so for Auckland, they'll be standing the women's team up in 25-26. And, uh, and MacArthur, I believe, are still on track for 25-26 as well. MacArthur are already doing a fair bit in that space in kind of with their NPL team uh, rounds and stuff like that. But they're, they're, that's their, their plan to stand it up. So that expansion is going well. You know, we've had three in the last three years, so it's a pretty aggressive expansion. Um, but which leads me on to your second question, which I'm really pleased with the way that women's sport is growing globally. And we're no exception in Australia and New Zealand. In fact, it's supercharged. And, you know, that's, that's largely due to investment over a number of years previously, not just expanding the game, but making it more accessible. You know, we've had... Every game is is available um, free through ten bowls, so so fans can watch it. There's no barriers to entry. We've had um, the Liberty A League pass, which is which is basically an opportunity for kids to come um, watch, follow their teams for free. Last season we had eight thousand eight hundred kids sign up to that. This season. 27,300, I think, to date. So massive growth in that area. And that's really flowing through the, to, to the clubs, right, where we've seen memberships of, I think, just under 700% increase in last year. And attendance is up 123%. And actually, it's flowing through the TV as well. Viewer hours up 140%. So all the numbers are going really well. Um, in terms of really kind of looking to support that and grow it, aside from the stuff I've talked about, We've also, you know, we, we had a perfect storm um, last winter, right? We just gone with the, the Women's World Cup. And whilst um, we don't pursue a marquee strategy in the men's game, we do in the women's because there were some phenomenal kind of household names that were made kind of almost overnight in that competition that were great players before, but maybe less less visible now they're kind of stars um, and we we created a fund to retain some of those stars like your van Egmont, your courtney vine players like that in in um the a-league women's but also to do stuff with them centuries so they can become more accessible to fans and, and, and be used to kind of market and grow the league as we go forward mm. and just moving on to um the stadiums uh we're seeing big problems once again you know with the quality of, of some of the surfaces and in some places grounds that are just too big for, for some clubs. Um, you know, we don't want to see empty seats, but especially in Brisbane. Does the APL have a stadium strategy to try and get clubs uh, some proper homes that are fit for purpose, or is that more on each club to do their own thing there? 
I mean, the, the, the venue hire agreements, as we call them, are, are, or, or whether they choose to build them, such as a, a Western United, that's that's the kind of the choice of the club. Um, but look, clearly, it's really important to us and our product about the quality of stadium they're playing in. Now, whether that's a stadium that's cavernous and, and, and doesn't look great on TV or doesn't create atmosphere for the players, um, and we need to find out ways to address that, or whether it's, to your point, pitch quality. You know, there is a, a real rise in um, the number of concerts going around venues right, right now, which I completely understand. You know, there's, there's a lot of ground to make up post-COVID for, for music fans, but also for venues to kind of pull some of those revenues back and concerts do pay. I think, you know, we'll always look to work with our clubs to help lobby stadiums and a necessary government in that space because it's not just about the competition and the weekends they get blocked out, which makes planning the show, this, this kind of season very difficult, but it's actually the number of games that they're then locked out for afterwards because of the quality of the pitch. You know, I don't preach into the choir here, but you guys know, you know, our, our, our ball's on the pitch most of the time and that affects the quality of play. Um, unlike, you know, other, other codes that are playing in these stadiums. Now, I was at um, the Sydney game at the weekend, Sydney FC, and um, they had a brand new pitch laid after the Pink concert, which I think cost $1.3 million, paid for by the venue, and it was absolutely immaculate and really a great game of football. And, you know, you've pointed out Brisbane as a as a, as a point there. That's, that's something we need to lean into, right? Whether that's supporting the club to um, to find a more appropriate venue or lobbying the stadium to get better services in, but that will be something that's led by the club and we look to support in it. But we are in those discussions constantly with, with um, Zach and Kaz and the guys and other stadiums. Now, at, at Western, just one more on stadiums. At Western, of course, Western United are scheduled to move uh, into their new training base uh, shortly, which is, which is a positive. But uh, obviously that's got to be the, just the starting point, hasn't it? Not the end point, because a stadium was promised when uh, they were given a license. And I know that was before your time, Nick, but uh, fans unfortunately have longer memories, uh, as do journalists, of yeah. course. Um, is there going to be a timeline to hold them to that? Uh, you know, we get into a point where uh, you're going to say to Western, look, you've got to start building this thing or there's got to be some sanction. Look, I think what I'd say first of all, Western, it's everything we've just talked about and the mm. problems with challenges of stadiums sometimes. This is the complete opposite, right? I, I genuinely believe, and I've spent a lot of time with the club, if they, you know, they're going to they're get into Tani, and I'm sure they will build their stadium. I agree with you; it has to be done. They will have the best setup in the A League. Absolutely, they they'll have the utopia, right? They'll but have when? Administration but when, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> this is something we're working through with the club right now. I'm really focused on getting them into Tani, packing out those seats, getting products good for TV, and getting a home a home for their fans. I know they're progressing well on that, but um, but yeah, we'll be working through the next phase with them. Well, our live in parallel to this. And what about uh, we've we've had a lot of uh, issues surrounding referees that have that have come up. We've seen a lot of coaches making some comments recently. Uh, the VAR is causing a lot of uh, issues at the moment as well. Um, you invested 1.5 million into the continuation of the system. In, in your opinion, is it working as best as it can? If not how do how do we improve it? 
Look, I think you know v- we could spend we could spend the night talking about VAR. Right? It, uh, we often do. <laughs> I know, I know. I've listened. Hey, but listen, that's good, right? We all want content to talk about. It. True. But no, look, I think um, the important thing is the game, right? And, uh, and and fans' experience of it. We've done surveys with fans on VAR. We've always looked them closely, and and I honestly think it's a split opinion. But what have you done? Certainly, I, I think that where VAR works is where fans are brought on the journey. And that's about the technology embedded in it. So we saw, for example, um, in the Women's World Cup, they started doing the the, the ref mic bit, as I call it, but the Mm -hmm. comms that goes with it. That's something we're hoping to be able to bring bring in quite soon, and we're starting testing it now, basically. That's just about bringing the fan on the journey more. So I think, you know, definitely uh, there's improvements can be made um, with with VAR, and I think globally. Um, but it's something we're we're looking at constantly, and and look, we'll we'll review everything every year, right? And we'll do it in the conjunction um, with the FA because it relates to the referees, but also with the fans and with the clubs as well. So yeah, let's, okay. let's see where okay. we where we land before next season. Um, Nick, we're, we're aware that uh, you, you do have a home life. We're, we're going to let you go in a minute, but uh, just two more from me. First of all, we, we have had a, a text that's coming on the text line, 0457 uh, A bit of a tongue-in-cheek one, perhaps, from uh, Paul, who says, can you ask Mr. Garcia how many times he's visited the Western Sydney Wanderers CEO and club since Marco Rodin uh, spoke up last week? <laughs> uh, have you reached out? Have you, have you smoked the peace pipe? I, there's no peace pipe. I am... <laughs> I, um... So I saw Scott the other night. I've been out there a number of times, whether it's to their preseason functions, whether it's to the their training facilities, whether it's to matches. I'm going to be out there at the derby uh, on the second. So, so yeah, I think maybe Mark was slightly misinformed. But what what he did say, um, which is, you know, I should be spending a lot of time with CEOs. I couldn't agree more. Like this. Being out and with the clubs um, is a really important part of my job and spending time with those CEOs. And we just actually did a whole day kind of offsite with all the CEOs looking at the broader business and the strategy and where we're going next year and we'll we'll repeat this. We have calls with all of us together um, frequently. So it does happen, but I'd always want to do more, of course. But it's just there's one me and there's... 12 clubs and growing across two countries. So I don't, I don't see my family that you reference a lot. <laughs> okay. And a final one from me. Um, can we assume Nick that the league ladder is going to reverse to the first tiebreaker being goal difference next season? And what on earth prompted that change, which caught everybody <laughs> by surprise? <laughs> well, don't assume anything. Uh, <laughs> um, look on the, uh, on the ladder, there's there's a process we go through across all the regs every, every um, kind of off season basically, and we go through everything end to end. And our our objective is to create an exciting football product, which is an attacking football product. When we go through that process, um, we look at leagues all over the world, and and I know that the, the fan psyche is often to revert to the Premier League. It's a completely different construct. Doesn't have a final series. It's not, not just the Premier League, League Nick. It's it's every league around the world, bar the MLS. Yeah, well, MLS was one we looked at, <laughs> um, but, and the, but and the think, one you went with. Look, well, it was it was a consideration. We looked at others as well, but where we kind of landed, and, and I think it's important to understand this is, we would then take those regs, which communicate them to all the clubs to implement them. This is, the, you know, there shouldn't have been any surprises in there. I think um, 
the, the challenge we had before was that when we came to um, even ties, it was like a four-point system that then starts to jostle them. We've now gone to 10-point because looking at last year, we could have ended up with a coin toss to decide ladder position. I don't think that's anything anyone wanted. That said, we'll review them every year. So on your point of assumption, we'll certainly look at it. We'll take into account fan sentiment. You know, I think, I think one thing we definitely should have done more was communicated at fans, Absolutely. not just internally to our club network. Um, and that's a learning that we'll certainly take forward. But no, we'll, we'll review it along with all the other records next season. Well, I think especially as your own website didn't even know until it was pointed out. Um, it was clearly something that was not yeah. communicated uh, very well. But listen, uh, we do appreciate you communicating with us uh, here tonight. Uh, fans, of course, will either agree or disagree. But, um, you know, we can only ask the questions. And uh, thank you for uh, trying to provide some of the answers uh, hopefully we can get you on the show again, perhaps uh, towards the end of the season. And, uh, you know, by then, who knows, we might have a Canberra team in the competition and one or two things might have changed. But uh, uh, for now, thanks very much, Nick, for being on the Global Game. We do yeah. appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate your time. That is uh, Nick Garcia, the A-Leagues Commissioner. We're off to a break. On the other side of it, we will review the weekend that was in the A-League Mets.